0: Cool
1: To calling all beings on a beautiful Sunday morning here in Georgia, one of the only one of the places that my co conspirator has lived.
2: (laughs) One of the many places, that's right,
1: (laughs) yes, sir. But born in Kentucky, where the weirdness is everywhere, that's right, it's in my veins. The ley lines are, yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm your host, DJ. Welcome back to calling all beings. So happy all of you are here. Uh, and man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. Call out all the people in the chat, but before I do that, we can't go any further without <laughs> without introducing the co-creator, co-conspirator, uh, executive producer, and technical director. He bringing positivity everywhere, including liminal frames. From my man, brother, Money Nathan yo
2: what's going on you know this is not the bbc it's the cab and i was thinking about what would uh you know what would a bbc introduction sound like uh for calling all beings and i want oh, you to think about please. that some dj i don't have one. Okay. I, I imagine i imagine it's very soft and soothing and you know quite relaxing like an asmr video of some kind
1: but uh you know something to think about all I mean. right i got to think of a bbc intro okay I will, I will have to dig something up man since uh Hell, MotoGP, it's all these uh, BBC-like guys uh, that call it. Uh, So uh, right now here is our, our, uh, let's see, how do we describe Deb again? It's so, how do we contextualize this woman? She's one of the principals of UAP Med. Um, She is the host of Deb's Data Dojo. Um, She is somebody that just has love for the community and sort of uh, wants to prepare the community for the eventuality that we all know is going to happen at some point and such a positive force and uh, she is our Debs
3: hello everyone happy Sunday morning I was just thinking I would try to do the BBC intro but I think it's best <laughs> if I keep my fake accent to myself you know, Deb
2: you probably could nail it I think if a little you know, I think you got it
1: yeah, I, and if I do, it's just going to sound like RP, which will really annoy Vinny, I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> so, so um, before we get into that, let's just say hello to everybody. Man, there's a whole bunch of people in the chat. Mick, we were just talking about you. We're actually going to make you a folder on the cab drive and give you access so that you can upload uh, some of your stuff in there. And we can have a look-see. Uh, Av uh, Guntner, I think is how you say it. Hello, good morning, and welcome back. Uh, Carolina what's up home girl don't worry about it. if my voice sounds bad it's all good uh the intent is there um and of course the professor from John J my man Keith Taylor what's up man make sure no one gets out of line in here um all right so without further ado uh this gentleman here uh we g- became aware of during the first year of cab probably maybe six months into our Existence as a show um, This gentleman really rocketed To the sort of heights Of, of broadcasters in this space And was able to uh, He became friends with Max uh, From uh, the Netherlands uh, who, who had on some prolific guests And then Vinny himself had, had these guests on um, And really has a resonance With so many people um, he's being asked to appear and speak either virtually or in person at a number of events. Upcoming, he's going to be speaking, and we'll ask him about this, about a big uh, event in France here in November where they could have chosen anybody uh, to come and do this and, and MC, but they chose this gentleman here. Um, I've had the blessing to share a meal and some beers with him. Well, maybe he was drinking wine. Uh, on two occasions uh, (laughs) up there in the Midlands of England where we got together with a whole bunch of our our British fan. Um, And he's just such a gentleman and just so well-regarded around the community. So um, he really doesn't need any introduction from me. Pardon me that uh, my throat is all messed up today. It it has not dampened my enthusiasm uh, at all. So uh, part of people put those... Together for Mr. Vinny Adams, the host of Disclosure Team. And we got one of the Disclosure ladies in the chat, baby. Yes.
0: Thank you for having me, guys. It's great to be here. Good to see you all. Good to this see you is,
1: too, man. This is Stratford upon Avon's answer to the <laughs> Z Boys, former pro's dickboard of Vinny Adams. <laughs> Amen, Vinny. <laughs>
0: Oh, what an intro thank you man <laughs> really appreciate it
1: yes sir it, it is an honor to have you here as a solo uh guest um i wanted to start off with something that you and i were talking about in the room that is green uh-oh this could mean nathan has something planned okay <laughs> <laughs> oh no um in in the room that is green um yeah nathan's not about he'll surprise me too with popping up with something that, that he didn't <laughs> tell me about so um i i'm curious uh how you have been dealing with this roller coaster that we're on i mean one of the shows you know we were talking about nathan and deb were talking about how what a high we were on after the grush disclosure and how like the next day like we're going to work and and having these normal conversations and with co- colleagues and coworkers, how could, how could you just be normal today? Like, this is like a seminal moment. And now we're down again where uh, nobody has come out um, recently to support David as we approach the holidays and where Congress goes on break. Um, we're hoping that they do. Um, h- how have you dealt with this roller coaster? What's your
0: approach? No, it's a really good question. I think what's important to, for me to look at is just going back over the past two or three years, because each year we've had new iterations of the, you know, language in the National Defence Authorization Act, and it gets really exciting when they're throwing out all these bills and amendments. And and, and what I realised quite quickly is that you get these big ebbs and flows of, of the within the community. And so I decided, way before the david grush thing that rather than ride the roller coaster i would step back and just sort of observe it that way you're not riding these big ups and downs and you're just looking at it analyzing it and you know there's no particular disappointment or frustration because you're just observing because it's very easy and i see it all the time is that we get a big story breaking and then within the weeks following we get those dips and you know people do get frustrated so I I don't allow myself to kind of throw in these big expectations with these things. I just, just try and stay level, level headed, level minded. And just, you know, these processes are never going to be quick. There's a bit of patience and all the people that's out there that say, look, we've been waiting 75, 80 years already. Well, look, it's just, that's the way it's got to go. It's got to be done properly if we're going to nail it once and for all. So yeah, I guess that's my kind of outlook on it.
1: And in the span of history, 75, or 80 years is nothing. And, and that's, a, that's a really mature way to, uh, to look at it, by the way. And, and maybe, maybe it, it serves as an example of those of us who are struggling with that emotional roller coaster. Uh, hello, Mr. Uh, Calhoun in the chat. Carolina, I'm talking about North Carolina because there may be a meetup with Vinny, you, me, and my man, money, Nathan. So, yeah, because uh, we're we not too far away um anyway uh nathan so it, what do you think about that that approach uh, please go ahead take it away sir
2: yeah i mean i don't know guys i thought after uh, maybe a couple of years and a few podcasts we would just have this whole disclosure thing behind us uh wrapped <laughs> up in a nice little package i mean you know that's all it really took if you think about it we just didn't have a few podcasts for 70 something years and that's what we needed to kind of Get it across the finish line and a social media platform. I mean, Vinny, I think that's the right approach, right? I think you've got the you've been doing this long enough to see those trends and 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 then kind of assess the approach that you're taking and and balance that with the overall story, right? And I think that um, you know, there's there's that saying, "Talk is cheap, right? Actions are what matter." And so we start we do see actions happen quite often, fairly significant ones. But all of the talking that's happening, whether that's shows like ours or yours or on social media where it costs you literally nothing just to say whatever you want and complain like that, it, it, it's going to, you know, just you have to kind of let that go because, yeah. you know, it, it does add to it, obviously. And we're in kind of this new age of uf- ufology, you know, and we're, we're we're part of that to some degree. But a small part of it, you know, that the, we're, I think, trying to create spaces where we can have these conversations. So I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of in that vein, you know, how is it that you look at how, how's the evolution of your view changed from, from what you started doing the shows that you do and the interviews that you do? How do you look at it now in terms of your contribution to the overall story? Wow. That's a,
1: that's a money, good question as well. Money, wow. Money, money, money.
0: <laughs> i mean look there's, there's there's multiple kind of avenues that this subject goes down we have the big sort of, main government focus with the everything that's going on with the ndaa with grush and everything but you know i've always been uh, a student of history when it comes to this subject so i'm always looking at other cases and there's other other things to be done there there's been a lot of focus here in the last couple of years with me and a few others on trying to get the uk government to talk just trying to get information on cases through whether it be freedom of information requests or or other alternate routes so i've always got something going on that side of things as well you know there's been there's been a big story recently which kind of went under the radar about the Condyne report we've been trying to track down the unredacted version um and it went to the to the point where we were getting responses from the mod saying that they'd lost it and this is a a huge report you know that there was released in 2000 internally and to have something like that lost in the system was just unbelievable a joke it turns out recently we, we were contacted by them they found it um and then they've re-released the condyne report the exact same redacted version so we're still in a process of trying to appeal on getting some of the information from that brought out but this is what i mean there are so many things you can be working on while sitting back and waiting for more to come out on the grush story or more or for waiting for the ndaa to be signed to see what happens after that i don't like to just sit and wait i feel like there's always things that you can do uh, and that that's what wards off the frustration or the boredom or the frus- uh, you know just yeah
2: yeah no totally and and for your show specifically i mean you've had some killer interviews uh with some amazing guests you know what do you how do you start assessing your own contribution your content as a contribution to to the entire story to disclosure what what do you how do you see your picture there
0: well I've always said to people that the interviews that I do on my show are conversations that I would have with that person whether we were sat in a pub having a beer at that date so the questions are relevant to information that's happening at the time you know it's very easy for people to comment saying you should have asked this you should have asked that it's like well you know I'm usually only limited to an hour two if you're kind of lucky if the guest is you know willing to give you that time Uh, and that's great I I wish I could ask everything that everybody wants to hear but it doesn't work like that unfortunately and so that's what I've I've kind of tried to stick with throughout the whole thing is that this is a conversation between two people in a pub uh, about what I want to know at that time, or, or maybe cases that I want to know about that may not be as important to a lot of other people, but it's important to me. And so it's not the kind of the way that everyone deals with their shows and their interviews, but that's just something that I find the, the most comfortable and natural way of doing it.
2: Yeah. And we certainly agree, right, DJ. And that's kind of what yeah. we're trying to do here too. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because it does, there's this perception in a way from some people in the community that these shows are almost trying to be more than they actually are. And it's partly, I think, because of the way that our media functions, right? We, we play such a premium on what's happening on the screen that we, we tend to equate that with something really, really important. But in fact, what we're doing is just trying to facilitate conversations and because people live all over the place, as you know, this is just the best way to do that. You know, to have yeah. a conversation is to, and to have it face to face virtually uh, or your you know whatever way you can it's I, I love that analogy of just kind of that pub conversation because that that's really the ethos that we try to to bring to our show too
0: yeah absolutely i mean there are the, i get comments from people saying you know you've, you, this wasn't particularly professional and and things like that and it's like well, hang on a minute i think what people don't realize is that we are still just like everybody else who we just so happen to send out a few emails to people to have a conversation online and then put it on the internet and yeah we do put a lot of time and effort and work into it but anyone can do it and i I find that i think sometimes we get other people just think that it's something out of reach or something that is harder than it may actually be i don't know Mm -hmm. i i kind of i sway on that sometimes the the different how it how it looks from the outside from other people because i'm in it day in, day out, you know, week in, week out. And so I kind of forget because it's just natural. This is what I do. But I don't know, man. It's 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 weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: as I transition over to uh, Debs, um, th- you know, the cabbies have heard me say on a number of occasions, everybody, if, if you, you know, pre- you really you don't like the way we're doing it, you're welcome to start your own podcast. Um, we're here to ask the questions we want. And when we have time, we'll get in your Questions and we love to do that. Um, and secondly, when you have a guest, guess it has a certain amount of depth and breadth of experience and knowledge. You're not going to get it all because if you do, you end up with that guest exhausted after two, two or three hours, and the conversation goes stale. And so I always have told them: always leave the, the wanting more, and don't try to squeeze that lemon until all the juices out of it. Leave some in there. Leave. Leave some for episode two. And we really have never had a problem getting people to want to come on for an episode two because we don't try to extract every bit of information out of them in and and unfortunately as as Nathan said, you know, and you said we're not we're not professional journalists. Um, we're just here, we just like having interesting conversations and that people want to join us is we're honored about it and we'll we'll do the best that we can. We're not perfect. Um, we don't get in all the questions that, that either they want or we want, but that's okay. We'll invite the person back and, and get more. So let me pass it over to our homie, a study of UAP, D O double G's Debs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I'd rather be a muse than a reporter. (laughs) So (laughs) let's get these conversations going. So, um, you and I are reading the same book right now because you have an important interview coming up today. Inside the U.S. government covert UFO program, initial revelations. Um, so how are we feeling about the contradictory messages that we're getting between Arrow and OSAP? I wanted your perspective because I think that's what's hitting mm. me quite a bit while reading this book. It's more money, yeah,
0: right that's there. a really good point. More money. I mean- it's really good. I, I'm glad this book came out because, like they kind of said on the weaponized show the other day, that the Skinwalkers at the Pentagon was looking at the kind of a bit more far out stuff, the woo sort of side of things, and then this one is more looking at more the sort of nuts and bolts, the the UFO performance and, and things like that. So it, it really pulls in a bit more clarity on what Orsat was all about. With regards to Arrow, I mean, it's like Lukatsky said. He said Arrow has ha- is almost the same as. Orsap, it's been mandated to do the same. Is it doing the same? Not yet. Will it do the same? I don't know. I mean, I I can't get my head around whether Arrow is just never going to get the 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 cogs turning or the wheels rolling enough to kind of really do anything of substance. You know, Orsap only lasted two years, and within that time, if everything that they did is true, because we don't know, because we've not seen the the the, the UFO database warehouse. They did a lot in a very short amount of time. Arrow has almost been going that time already and have pretty much done nothing to a few little piddly reports. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I see the frustration, but I'm not surprised at the same time. I'd love Arrow to be able to just do the work that Orsap did. You know, it's like, did does Dr. Kirkpatrick have access to the Orsap database? I don't think that's particularly clear. So it's really difficult to kind of judge or or say. You know, he believes we. I think Rush said he
1: believes that they do have, right? Didn't he? Did anyone hear him respond that they have access to to those those other efforts? Anybody anyone? I think anyone?
0: I don't the know. task
3: force did. The um, task force I think
0: definitely they, did. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but I feel like is not following the same path as the previous programs um they're setting up a different strategy they like i've come to the conclusion that they really are just about that all domain resolution they want to find the ifos
0: yeah i agree
3: you
1: you know what's the major distinction between arrow and those other groups one the other groups were clandestine Arrow is not so arrow was conceived to be a public facing organization that would answer our questions that would, in theory, right. That would, uh, interview, you know, military experiencers get this, uh, data disseminate what it could. And, uh, obviously it's not doing what we thought or what we wanted it to do. Like I think Deb's talked about how long it took the, to get the website up. It may have been the longest website in development in history.
0: <laughs> I think one thing I think, as well, sorry, Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, all of these uh, iterations of these task forces were all under OUSDI. And it seemed that whatever was said that they were meant to be doing or they they are doing, they were were stovepiped and everything was happening behind the scenes to stop them from really doing their job, I think. It's only recently that it's moved out from under there. And so as soon as it was moved and it was under Kathleen Hicks, we saw the website pop up all of a sudden. And it seemed like she'd kind of, give them a little nudge but is it going to be enough we're still enough time hasn't passed to see whether that's going to be the case or not so who knows it's difficult i'm not ready to kind of just wash my hands with them completely but you know time's ticking they were mandated by law to do a certain job and doesn't look like they're doing it so
1: not to our satisfaction certainly Uh, just to respond to people in the chat hello ian I Yeah, with my glasses on. And I've just figured out that what I'm going to do is get prescription sunglasses <laughs> for the computer so that I can read, read everything. So forgive me. Um, but we have some other folks in here that we haven't had before. Special Ops Guy, what's up? Uh, I'm glad you're looking forward to it. We have been as well. Uh, Bob Harkins says, uh, I've been fo- uh, Let me see. Put this up on the screen. I've been following the subject uh, since congressional hearings slash grush, but interested forever. Welcome to the party. That's what we got to say about that. Um F says, you know, this kind of like, I, I think, you know, these are kinds of things I think all three of you guys would would say all the time. Just keep the conversation going. When the conversation stops, the interest stops, then people like uh, our congressional advocates, uh, like Representative Luna and, and Representative um, Burchett, um, that's when they stop caring, right? They care because... Uh, their their staffers are looking at the numbers and saying there's a lot of heat behind this. Um, I think that's all we got uh, for now. Uh, let's see. Let's see what's said here. This team's got to be the one who can tell us something new. The government thinks that if they say nothing, like we're going to take that answer. Um. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. It's. It's. Uh. We we have diverging interests from them. Um. But there probably is a pivot point where we meet. And as Lou alluded to, maybe that pivot point is somewhere four or five years in the future when all this desensitization has occurred. So I don't know. Um, Vinny, what I'd like to ask uh, you now, sir, is um, I'm curious about the Vinny before you had your first podcast, before you did your first show and the Vinny afterward. Do you remember that Vinny? Yeah. What was that Vinny up to?
0: I mean, Vinny I mean, in the grand scheme of my involvement with the UFO subject, it was a good decade of just simply being a researcher, not, not public facing in any way, shape or form. A uh, I, decade? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just literally sat in front of my computer, just going through declassified documents, not just US documents, but Australia, Brazil, European countries and just trying to piece little bits of puzzle, the puzzle together. And it was only when the 2017 story hit that I was like, okay. And you know, the big change let's say happened that I started thinking maybe I could do more in this subject, but even then it, it took a couple more years for me to really start putting anything out there. And, and that's why when I started on like Instagram, it was just putting out little tidbits of information that I found to be credible Um, and that's I mean that's when it then exploded and just went 100 million miles an hour and I didn't have time to really stop and think about anything so there has been a couple of versions of me throughout my my interest in the UFO subject and that's why I'll always go back to being like to doing research and stuff because that's where I started and I think it's important especially like a lot of stuff that happened historically and how we can see real similarities now with not just say objects seen in cases but just the way that things were handled whether it be by the government or or even other researchers so yeah it's 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 been a roller coaster that's one roller coaster i have ridden
1: so as you, you know, as you talk about set being sat at your computer researching, De- there's heart bubble emojis all around Deb's head because she's like, <laughs> if somebody's doing like serious research and looking for documents, you just became, uh, she just became <laughs> a fan of you. She was already a fan of yours, but I don't know if any of us knew that 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 you had a decade of academic research before you got into broadcasting. Uh, I didn't know that. So that's why we have them on, right, Nathan? Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um so just as, as a follow-up to that, so was it that you saw your, that the response you were getting on Instagram was significant to the point where you're like people were people saying, Hey, you need to start doing a podcast or how, how did that transformation?
0: Yeah. So for the first year I was just like posting stuff, posting stuff. I was, I was, I'd never showed my face or anything like that. Uh, and I was, you know, getting a, a reasonably big following and people have started messaging me a lot saying you should do Instagram lives and things like that and I was just like cringing inside because I'm like I've, I've never wanted to be a public facing individual but I think one night i had had a couple of glasses of wine and I thought you know what I'll just hit that go live button and, and see what happens and the response automatically was just like really positive from so many people and and from there I started doing more Instagram lives and it just became my thing and it was funny it was James Iron that really kind of was kind of poking me a bit going, you should do a show. You should do a show. And I'm like, nah, man, like there's enough yeah. out there and all this and, you yeah. and stuff. Um, but I, I guess he prodded me enough times that I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll do one. And so, yeah, there you go. I, you know, I, I contacted a few people and did a few, li- and they started off live as well. I thought I'm just going to do on live cause I'm used to Instagram live, this live thing, no editing, no, nothing like that. So
1: no hair gel. Well, we don't know that. We don't know the <laughs> Vinny, uh, uh Nathan, Vinny's appeal. Oh, massive, right? Um I, I love that uh I love that you
2: brought James Iandoli up, the godfather, the swole father of UFO <laughs> yes. uh podcasts. Um that guy is uh you know that your experience with with James is similar to mine, in fact. Um and and I was very impressed like kind of blown away even that he would message me because I've, I've been following him on Twitter for quite a while and, uh, you know, just fascinated in the work that he'd been doing with C5 and that kind of thing. And for him to just send me a message out of the blue and be like, Hey, like, I think I heard you on this. I think it'd be good to get your voice out there more often. And I was like, all right, well, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll try that. Um, I want to come back to something that, you know, you and Deb were chatting about. And I think this is something that's important to discuss because, you know, there is that sense in the community of frustration when it comes to arrow, what they're telling us and what we want them to tell us, you know, like everyone has this sort of their own narrative, right. Of what's actually happening, you know, like, and so when they don't see whatever their pet theory is appear in an arrow report, they, they get out the pitchforks, you know, and the, and the torches and they're ready to like take the whole place by storm. And I think we need to be very like, more mature and honest with ourselves about, you know, what is going to happen? What will happen? What will it look like? I mean, this is this is part of the problem with the legacy of obfuscation, right? There's just this huge vacuum of information. And in that vacuum, we have a ton of stories and anecdotes and interesting, you know, tidbits of documentation. As you said, 10 years, you've been looking at documentation. There's there's a ton of material out there. I mean, talk to John Greenwald, talk to, uh, you know, all these folks that have done their own legwork. You know, over the decades to kind of pull out these various documents, there's a lot of material there. A lot of smoke, people would say, Uh, but but that smoke doesn't tell a, a like comprehensive story. So, you know, in some ways, like we need Arrow, is like dry and boring as it is, and maybe as frustrating as we as we are with it, that it's not giving us what we think is actually happening. But we have we kind of need a an official framework of investigation and analysis to kind of get us to a place where we can say, this is what we've looked at. This is what we can definitively say. But what would you say is the role, if you, would you want Arrow to sort of res, resume, exhume in a way, these old stories, these old experiences, these old anecdotes, these old documents, and, and, and just kind of bring them out into the light of day and say, well, we looked at this, we looked at this anecdote that people love to talk about back from the 1970s, and this is what we this is how we've analyzed that. Like, what what do you see in terms of the the reclamation of the lore in the history of ufology versus where we're going into the future with, with that picture?
0: Yeah, oh, great question. Um, if you look at again, going back to ORSAP, they had boots on the ground, people going out and investigating old cases. They they really uh, they had meetings in Brazil talking about the Calaris incidents. You know. And things like that. They talk about the there's a Lake and Heath case in the UK that, that that they were looking into. So there's nothing stopping Arrow from doing the same. You know, when in my years of digging through documents, there was enough evidence to show that there was strange things happening as far back as the 40s and 50s that had no reasonable explanation. You know, there's only so much a, a researcher can do, but a, a, an organization funded by the government to look into this subject could do probably do a lot more. And so I think, you know, what's stopping them? Is it the funding? Is it that their focus is too much on one side and not on the other? I don't know, but if if Orsap can do it, then and, and if Arrow is supposed to be a new iteration, similar version of, of what they were doing, then, then do it. Start building back into history. That was something we were crying out for with other groups in the last few years, is that they were, oh, they're only looking from the Nimitz case forward and things like that. Well, this is what we need. We need that big overall picture looked at i think and i think you know it might not get us to the final answer or the conclusions but it's gonna it's gonna make people who like dr kirkpatrick who don't come from a ufo background it might help him get a better understanding or paint a better picture of what this subject really entails
2: yeah well and just the you know with osap being willing to look at the weird right Mm. Uh, do you think we're going to get to a place where Arrow is going to be willing to look at the weird? Because obviously that that's part of this story, right? I mean, I feel like we have to find a way to take that information, those experiences seriously. And if Kirkpatrick is looking at a strange like psychological experience, like take Matthew Roberts as a great example, you know, we would look at his experience and go, Oh, that's just, you know, he's having a psychological experience, like just tangential to what he saw on in that, in that Nimitz encounter. But taking that more seriously and saying, "What if that is in fact part of what's going on? How do we analyze that? How do we bring things that aren't conventionally within our scientific framework into a scientific endeavor
0: analysis?" I think time will tell. Look, the Arrow have kind of already said that they're going to be bringing in this military reporting system, followed by a civilian reporting system. Now, if yeah, I think once they start get, getting a bit of mass data in through the civilian reporting system and potentially the military one as well, that it may be that there is an overwhelming amount of high strangeness being reported. What do they do with that? Do they just chuck it in a database? Or do they say, hey, look, there's an overwhelming amount of uh, high strangeness cases compared to just sightings. Maybe we should start investigating that because it's very clear to see, just by looking at the analytics, that that's a really important part of this, just as much as just a, a regular nuts and bolts sighting. So that would be a great way of, of bringing it into their kind of uh, repertoire, let's say. Will they do it again? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Deb?
3: I have to say I'm not very confident that they will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't Throw think that cold that, water, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, don't, I just don't think that they feel that that's part of their mission. Exploration, discovery, none of those things. Like, I'm not getting that feeling. I think that's one of the reasons they're partnering up with NASA Um, because NASA at least still has that desire. You know, I think this is a different mission for this group, and I think we're going to have to rely on civilian groups for that exploration, um, unfortunately, although we all really want that validation from the government. I know we do, but I think that's just not where it's going to come from. So, sorry, I'm getting cynical because of what I'm gathering (laughs) from research, but um, I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit um so Vinny, you know some people and one of those people (laughs) recently talked about mid 2024 being a good time for some big drops what do you think might be going on around mid 2024 oh man
0: it could be a number of things to be honest i've tried to kind of think logically about that and i don't actually know just for the record. I don't know. I do speak to Lou a lot, but it doesn't mean he tells me everything. I mean, look, it could be a number of things. It could be his book. Is it going to be his book drop? When I interviewed him, one of the first interviews I did when his book was first announced, he said that he explained that the reason why he was writing this book was it was a very clever way. You know, he, he was going to write it in such a way that he knew when it went through the DOPSA process that a lot of things would be pulled out of it but the things that would be left in around those redactions would still paint a very interesting picture. And so we may kind of be able to read between the lines a little bit or get some new names, for example, of people who might have been involved in this subject. So look, it could be that, and that could really help the conversation and the direction of the subject. It could be something completely different. He's he's diligently working behind the scenes, still with a, lo- a lot of people in, in government, in agencies. So... Your guess is as good as mine at this point.
1: The voice you all are hearing is uh, the host of the wildly popular Disclosure Team from the UK, the Stratford upon avons Oh, <laughs> Vinnie Adams. Um, Vinnie is going to be having on some big guests. Vinnie, please uh, preview for us. Uh, just you know, so the audience, everybody is here, can hear who you've got coming up today. I believe is that correct?
0: It is. Yeah, later on please. today in about five and a half hours I'm going to be sitting down with George Knapp and Colum Kelleher so I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. yeah that's coming at the right time obviously with the release of their new book um it's funny because uh, I was I was telling Carolina I was having a conversation with it you know I've been speaking to George for probably about two years about speaking with him on on the show and he's always we've always got to that point where we're just about to lock in a date and time and for some reason it just falls apart and so When the book came out, like whatever last week or whenever it was, I just said I was gonna hit George up again and just, you know, go through the same motions. And funnily enough, he was really positive in that. And he's like, Oh, we'll have to get Column on as well. And, you know, it finally we got it locked in. I mean, I don't wanna jinx it because he might just not forget and not turn up later, but we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be We've all
1: been there, man. (laughs) <laughs> we've all we we have all been there. Um, no, that that's awesome to hear. I'm I'm wondering if you're going to be bold enough to ask Colm to uh, play up his Irish accent, <laughs> since homogenized.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Maybe my Come British on, accent man. will rub off on him, and he'll go back to his roots.
1: Yeah, tell him DJ wants to hear it, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, just a couple things uh, in the chat here. So let's see, Carolina Garcia. Says uh when Kirkpatrick was assigned as director of Arrow, he was probably like, really, do I have to? I don't necessarily think he's thrilled to play the part and would be interested in other projects. I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment, uh Carolina. I don't know that that's where he wants to be. Um He can certainly apply for uh, for something else. And, and and, you know, he's in the DOD. He's a GS civilian. He can apply for another gig and and. I'm assuming he could get out of there. I don't know that they could hold him there. Um, He could apply for his GS position or a GS low, you know, one step lower anywhere that he wants to. So, uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe there are some strings on him that I'm not aware of. So, um, good point. Let's see. Uh, Bob agrees. Um, Let's see. Here's the other one here. Simon Fly. Simon fly. Uh, look at that with a Pan Am symbol. I dig that I miss Pan Am. Uh, it's always anonymous sources and things coming soon in the UFO topic. It never changes. Well, um, I would take issue with you there just from the standpoint that David Grush and we have never had somebody at his level come out and divulge, um, that much information and confirm things that we all heard rumored for years, which shocked us. We're like, Oh my God, it's true. So uh, I would have to take issue with you there. It's just we haven't had a cavalcade of people coming to say, um, yeah, hey, that's true. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, I, I back that guy up. We've heard that's coming. Uh, and that from that, I do agree with your point because well, people are going to come and back Russia. up. Meanwhile, this guy's without uh, a government job and is no longer a major in the U.S. Air Force Reserves as a result of his uh, courageous decision. Um, very, very courageous. Hey, Mark E.O. Boyle, how are you? One of our British brothers. I'm Mark, the the artisan craftsman. Um, Okay, so it's back to me, Vin. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I really think that, um, you know, when they start asking about sensors, like they're like, okay, we need sensors that are tuned to a certain level that is going to enable us to detect these craft and it leads me down the road that they're looking to get some money. Um, And where would, where are those sensors going to be mounted? I mean, what are you going to refit U S Navy, U S Marine Corps, U S air force and army aircraft with these specially tuned sensors. So I'm really at a little bit of a loss. Are you going to mount these in, in DC somewhere and point them at the sky? Like um, it's, it's very unclear what they're looking for, but it, it doesn't lead me towards that boots in the ground approach that you and Debs were talking about relative to OSAP, which was really centered around a lot of just, I assume a lot of what those prior groups, was a lot of travel budget, um, mm. traveling out to sites, interviewing people, and then bringing people to DC, but not necessarily buying hardware, specially tuned hardware um, from some company that makes sensors like L3 or Raytheon, Uh, That's tuned to detect UAP when they're already detecting them with the sensors that we have now, like the uh, WestCam L3 type products. So I'm curious, what's your thought? Does that seem like a money play to you? Or what do you get from that when you read that in the report? And also the um, also, if you can just reflect on the contradictory statements that uh, contain therein
0: yeah it's 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 been quite vague as to how they're actually going to achieve this you know if let's say they do have the budget are they going to be working in collaboration with you know military branches and agencies to actually mount these sensor systems whether they be ground based on on you know in the sky or are they going to be space-based looking looking for this stuff you know we, we've we've talked we've heard inklings here and there that Objects have been spotted on space-based systems, um, but they're not tuned to the right frequency to actually focus on that kind of stuff, like you mentioned. But I don't know. It's a great question. It's a really good question. I, I don't know where, yeah. where that's going to go. It's not going to be cheap, and they've, they've had budget budgeting issues. We know because Gillibrand's been on top of that a lot. The early on this year, really complaining about the the lack of, you know, funding and things being left out of the you know the bill and stuff like that. i i don't know i wish i i wish i could answer that in a better way it sounds good doesn't it you know to think that they're going to have dedicated sensor systems state of the art just looking for uap great but again it points back to arrow being a really nuts and bolts focused group not looking at the sort of same things that all were looking at which is i think is probably where we're more likely to get get further They must, you know, they must be, as you said, they must be thinking of a
1: ground-based or space-based application because from the standpoint of what I know about um, them fitting aircraft, I can't imagine fitting a sensor to an aircraft and all that entails and all the drag that you incurred that it now has to uh, fight against when it's flying, when you mount a new sensor on there that's specially tuned for UFOs as if they're going to be out there. Uh, looking for the phenomenon that's not their mission set you know yeah. that's not what they do um no aircraft's mission set is just to look for ufo's um so i it must be something ground based or space based like you said so I, that that is very um interesting i wish they would be a little bit more clear on that i heard kirk patrick talk about it at the nasa um uh, hearings it seemed like he was digging for dollars there for, uh, and then also in the, uh, that report the other day. So, uh, but Nathan, take it away, brother. Yeah. So when
2: we're talking about sensors and a lot of the conversation in the report, it's thinking about calibrating for objects, right? We're not thinking though about actors. Uh, so that's part, uh, clearly another part of this entire equation, uh, in some ways, it's sort of a chicken and the egg problem, right? Like, do you focus on what intelligence might be behind this kind of UAP, UFO uh, phenomena? Or do you look for exclusively what these things are, what their capabilities are, and then kind of deduce backward from that, what the intelligence is behind the the, the craft? Clearly, that's a part of this picture. I mean, and that, you know, comes to things that Grush has already said that I think are I mean we're kind of glossing over the some of those revelations to a certain degree but like high degree of coordination with uh you know sort of the disinformation campaign uh agreements that have been made with these intelligences whatever they may be i mean those issues those two things alone open like enormous pandora's boxes that you know i don't know that we're even really prepared to wrestle with so vinnie like what are you beyond the identification and the legitimization of things in the sky or in the ocean, you know, what are the deeper sort of concerns that you have about where this story might go in terms of how it might change the way we look at who we are, you know, our human history, etc.?
0: Yeah, it's a really, it's a good question. It's, I find that quite complex when I, I actually have to, you know, think about it because, We've been told so many things over the years by so many witnesses and experiences about what the, this potential non-human intelligence might represent, and so when you look at all the different possibilities, there are some which are scarier than others. Let's say, and that's the, I, I think it was, I think it might have been on a cab show that we did earlier in the year where I think you guys asked us. What would you rather see, the craft or the bodies? And yes. everyone, said, everyone said the bodies, but I said the craft. Yes, it I, pissed I, me I'm off. I'm just kidding, <laughs> I because I thought in my head that let's let's work out that there is definitely something here that is 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 a craft. It's not from of this earth. Then I feel like we then go down the line of who are they? What do they want? What's the intent? And they're all the questions that come after, like post-disclosure questions, in my eye. I know everyone doesn't look at that. And the majority wanted to see the bodies and think about that first, but that's the kind of like the linear kind of aspect that I, I see this subject going in, you know? Well, it makes sense, right? Like if you, if the actors, the
2: intelligences, whatever, aren't going to step forward to the microphone and talk to you about whatever the heck they're doing, all we can do is look at whatever they leave behind or whatever yeah. we happen to catch a glimpse of. Right. That's uh, that's just what we have to work with. Um,
1: <laughs> Carolina, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Carolina got us all. She goes, "I want to see the bodies inside the craft," so I get both. <laughs> you know, and I think I think
2: that that desire to see the bodies it comes back to what I said earlier that that many of us have a preconceived narrative about what is actually behind these things, right? And I I, I certainly believe that there are intelligences here at work that are non-human or non-conventionally human. But I'm also open to the possibility that, man, maybe some state actors have done some crazy things. But that doesn't really explain that some of the crazy things we've seen over the many, many decades. I have a hard time believing, you know, China or Russia cracked, you know, what appears to be anti-gravity technology, you know, decades ago. Um, But but maybe we can entertain that for just a second, because I think it's it's worth our time to be to play the devil's advocate to some degree, right? So. What does it say about the human condition if over so many decades and even we can look through history, right? We can, if we, if we take a very hard line materialist approach to all of this stuff throughout history, people that have had visions and purported miracles and religions have been spun out of these things, sightings of angelic beings or whatever, if we, if we just say all of that is totally prosaic and it's not anything that's non-human. You know, what, what does that say about the human condition and the human propensity to see strange things have anomalous experience and assign to all of those experiences this alternative intelligence that is not from emanating from within ourselves like what mm. have you have you thought about that and in other words it's sort of like uh, not to point a finger at deb here I'm just I'm I'm playing with you deb but it's the cold water assessment of the entire thing like what if one day we just kind of realize you know what it's all it's all been in our brains this entire time
0: yeah, that's a that's a great point, and it, I have definitely pondered it. Um, there was a conversation I I saw recently uh, for the second time where Jesse Michaels was speaking with Eric Weinstein and Hal Puthoff, and they were talking about you know if if we cracked this gravity thing, or we did many decades ago in the fifties, for example, then there there is definitely a breakaway physics or group of physicists who have knowledge of this this technology and it's obviously it's not in the public domain in 2023 has it been sat behind the scenes for many decades and that's what we've been seeing or people have been seeing and if that turns out to be the case then i'm still like whoa this is huge because this still is a a world-changing technology that needs to be brought into the public domain so we can actually start fixing this godforsaken planet (laughs) <laughs> you know so either way you Heal. look at it whether it's yeah. prosaic and it's crazy or is it non-human intelligence and it's crazy you know mm. yeah
1: yeah i wish nathan could just go be healed planet like that <laughs> and be, oh, oh, happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. sure because <laughs> my brother know how to do it um <laughs> you know i love that you brought up this thought experiment nathan the, the and 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 it's important that we have this discussion it, it's just it causes a dismissal of people like your Whitley Striebers and many others, you know, Jay Christopher King and many others who have had a physical situation or many females that say, you know, they, they, they have an abduction experience to say I have been touched or altered in an area, or I have a, a scoop missing from my body or a piece of a metallic object that is proof positive that something occurred that's in the, you know, the, the real world rather than just something that, um, could have just been conscious based consciousness based, but, or, or subconscious. So that's the thing is when you stick, you take your, you know, your spear and you jab it in the ground and say, this is it, you know, then you leave somebody out that, that had a, a real physical experiment and experience. And maybe some of these experiences are had through remote viewing where, they're able to experience something um, on a conscious level, but not a physical level, and so we got to put that under the tent as well. How, what do you feel about that, Nathan? Yeah, I mean
2: i I, I agree that we've we've we got a we've got a problem here. And you know, we we get some. Before I answer your question, let me just kind of step back and look at the community for a second, because we get a lot of flack from. You know the, the the skeptics or the debunkers or whatever that that it is all just sort of mental you know it's a, it's a figment of our collective imagination to a certain degree um and at the same time the believers you know are i think really hesitant to have this kind of conversation and 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 really we're both sort of wrong right we need to be able to find a place where we can suspend our ideology a little bit and, and say well, you know, it, yes, maybe like on the on the believer side, maybe it is somewhat in, happening in our mental space, and in the skeptic side, saying maybe it actually is happening in objective reality, right? Why, why can't we have a little bit of our suspension like at play and and sort of think through? the implications of of one or the other from both sides. I think everybody needs to be able to do that. Like it, whatever your perspective is. And you know, I think I'm look, I have a show on UFOs. I think you know what my perspective is. Whatever your perspective is, you need to be able to in a healthy way think about the counter argument to to your position because that it's important because one day, whether you like it or not, maybe you won't get it at all, we're going to get more information. And are you going to be prepared for whatever that information is? What if it's contradictory to some of your your most you know, fervently long held beliefs. I mean, how are you going to deal with that? You're going to have your own. We talk about ontological shock as if we've got some sort of like medal we earned because we thought about UFOs. Well, geez, we're going to have ontological shock of a different kind if we find out that some of this stuff, in fact, was, you know, just a figment of the imagination or human technology this whole time or, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think we just everybody needs to be a little bit more charitable, honest, okay, with some of the, uh, the the different perspectives at, at work here. Um, I do think that you know ultimately we've got something wrong. you know we, 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 we clearly have something wrong about our understanding of reality. And, and that that's not I'm not saying that from you know it's UFOs and I'm not saying that from you know it's some funny fun physics we haven't figured out. I think it's just clear that there there are elements and aspects of the human experience that we haven't really fully understood. And, and that, that ultimately is where some of this is going, right? We, we we've got to, um, I agree kind of Vinny, with your main point that the bodies in, in many ways precede, I mean, sorry, that the craft precede the bodies, you know, that the objects precede the, the intelligence and we have to, it's going to be this sort of natural progression of discovery that, that in a way has to happen for everyone to be able to kind of reframe our perspective on, on reality, right? Because, because we are at that juncture, right? I think I think that that's funny, too. And I, I know I'm going on a little bit of tangent here, but Enjoy. But just one, one, one second. I think it's funny here yeah. because we, we many of us, even the people who are the most ardent, you know, materialists, scientists, whatever, can have a perspective that, that basically boils down to this. Uh, we've cracked the way to understand reality. And we're just going to incrementally figure that out as we go. Like we, we, you know, the, the, the the rubric that we've figured out in the enlightenment is like basically the, the master key. And we're just going to keep working that key in all these different locks. And eventually we're going to figure out reality. Well, guys, what if we've got the wrong freaking key? You know, (laughs) I mean, look, I'm just, I hate to break it to everyone, but like, we look down our noses at history. We, we look at, I mean, think of every great empire on this planet and the, 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 the pinnacle of their achievements. We look, at, we, we look down our noses at those people because they didn't understand reality like we understand it with this you know fancy key that we discovered. Well, I hate to break it to folks, but generations from now, people will look down their noses at what we're doing and how we look at yep. the world and what things we've said are the ways to understand reality. And they're going to say, man, these people had no freaking clue. So once you can understand that just paradigm, that, 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 entire picture, that narrative, I think that that allows you to go, okay, I'm okay with not really knowing what's going on, but I can, I can definitively say something weird is happening that I don't fully understand that we don't understand. And it's okay for us to try to understand that. And that, that that's really my main argument. Let's try to understand reality in a better, more fulsome way than we had before. And in order to do that, I've got to take some of these things seriously. I've got to take some of these sightings and experiences and stories seriously. You know, some of them may be junk, but I still have to like look at them and go, wow, yeah, maybe there is something to this as uncomfortable as that makes me feel, right? Sorry, I'm done. I'm off my my high horse.
1: Nathan, I like that analogy. The You know, the New York building super with all the, you know, they've got that ring and there's like 70 keys. He may have the wrong key, right? That could be what's going on. But Deb, you know, and we'll get Dave Smethers question in here uh, (laughs) next because it it must have took him 30 minutes to write these two questions and and they're very so we'll have to get those at Vinny. But Debs, it seems like what Nathan's talking about is if you formed your view into an egg and that (laughs) egg falls and it's going to crack and break and then you'll be all over the floor, whereas if you remain malleable, like sort of un unkilned clay you know, you can drop on the floor and just take sort of a different form.
3: Yeah. So my background is psychology. So I'm always, yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, Of course I'm always thinking about things in terms of psychology in addition to um, what, you know, people are seeing and um, some people are calling it belief, you know, I don't want to call it belief. I feel like it's more like knowing, But the thing that people forget is that psychology is actually um, fairly new. It's not a very old (laughs) study. Um, We're learning a lot still. We're still trying to understand what the brain does and what it receives. Um, So it's very malleable. So everything is from that framework that's very malleable. And all the time, actually, people are learning new things about the brain and what it's capable of and what it's capable of receiving. Um, so I think you know, we have to be open-minded, <laughs> no pun intended, um, when we're, <laughs> we're talking about the human experience and um, people in psychology are debating that all the time. Um, so I think it's okay to be in the middle with this and to be able to think about, well, this is what happens when someone's having a hallucination. However, I can rule that out because there's physical evidence you know we have to be able to be in the middle and think about both sides of it
1: I agree a hundred percent and I also want to thank uh, Nathan I'd like to just uh, let me put this up there um cheers Nathan for a very impassioned uh, response um I I was hoping that today that some of what you talked about in liminal frames would make its way over here and some of it has and I'm, I'm really glad about that because you, you're uh, bringing up, you know, I, I could tell when you're really passionate about something and, and it's very important, you know, that, you know, we do uh, think about these things and consider them, consider these uh, other state, uh, other state actors and, and, and very possibly, although I'm not necessarily in that camp, I got to be open to that possibility. That's, you know, some of these technologies could be, um, I dropped it on cab that, um, uh, um, on the cab chat that, 160,000 years of modern humanity, and we've only um, conquered powered flight 120 years ago. So when you take that span and think about how how small 120 is compared to 160,000, and yet people saw birds and pterodactyls and all those sorts of things, but they just couldn't figure out how to power flight. It just kind of gives you an idea of, of those hurdles. Uh, let's see. Carolina has something. Then we got to get Dave Smithest in there. Carolina. What I, what I find interesting in my opinion, that believers slash experiencers, et cetera, and debunkers have in common is passion for the subject and the desire for truth. I, 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 would agree with you though. I would say, um, I would change out the word debunkers for skeptics because, uh, Nathan is a skeptic uh, himself. But you don't see debunkers, I, I find that their mission set is to debunk, and they will take a dishonest approach to try to prove something didn't happen. So I, I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not sure that they really want to find out what it is. I think some of them actually don't want to find out what it is, because there's a fear involved in something that is out of our control that may be more powerful, uh, than we are in an, in a myriad of ways. And that fear drives them to try to debunk things that are in some cases not debunkable. So, um, so yeah, I'm not, not really down, but the skeptic camp, man, without the skeptic camp, we would just have all of us just sitting here going like this the whole time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you can't do that cause, uh, there are, there is a certain degree of charlatanism, uh, that's present in the topic. Um, uh, we've all, every one of us, has experienced that. Uh all right. Dave Smethers. I might even need my um so yeah, and um so yeah, we got that one in cheers, Nathan, and then we got in this one from Anani T uh Knowledge Greater Than Belief, right? So <laughs> um three quarters of the way through new LP. I guess that means. He's making a new a new record. I think it's all right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Let me get to um, Dave Smethers here. What's it got? Okay, this is serious. Okay, Um, I'm going to go to the second question because the first one, it may take another 30 minutes, but let's go to this one. (laughs) Does Vinny think the UAP Act is a new vehicle for disclosure replacing Arrow? Controlled by the White House, and and that's a question mark there. Controlled by the White House and Congress with DOD and IC made subordinate. Where does this leave NASA? Will they have to jump on board? <laughs> oh the God. first one... Oh, Dave says the first one is long. I know, but it obviously boils down to Grush's testimony. Okay, so we'll get back to that. So the first one is, uh, what well, the second one first? Does Vinnie think that the UAP Act is a new vehicle for disclosure, replacing Arrow, something controlled by the White House and Congress, with the DoD and IC made subordinate? Where does that leave NASA, or as you
0: guys say, NASA. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i don't think it's it's been put in there to replace arrow at all i think it can quite happily run alongside it you know it does shift the kind of um the focus away from the dod under the executive branch which i think is a good thing you know uh again this is all kind of stuff that may happen we've we've not had all these things signed in yet and, and i think it's too easy to kind of just to say yep yeah, it's going to do this it's going to do that i i always like to just sit and wait for these things let's see what happens at the end of the year when when we get the final language from the ndaa when the house and the senate have both signed off on this and we get that final version and then let's see you know it all sounds like it could really bring about disclosure do i think that's going to happen that simply no not at all i think there'll be roadblocks and all sorts happening between now and disclosure um but i think it's a positive thing where does it leave nasa i mean that's a i don't know nasa have been slowly dipping their toes back into this subject haven't they in the last year or so Uh, is it going to lead to much i mean i think what nasa need to do is go back through their own archives really get that looked at all the videos and everything and make it public you know bill nelson was stood up at that that conference uh, press briefing or whatever and said you know that they want to be transparent and everything and <laughs> well let's 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 see if that happens or not again it's not something i'm particularly um enthused about i don't think it's going to happen that way so a lot of these things it's all like it's still a waiting game because it all sounds great but if you kind of latch onto it as if well look this is going to happen this is going to happen and that's going to happen then you're going to get overly excited and you're just going to it's going to blur things, I think. So, you know, the, the disclosure act sounds great. I'm really, I'm all for it. I think a civilian panel to look into possibly disclosing certain things through a, a process under the executive branch could, could really benefit us and really, really work. But again, it's just, it's all sounds a bit too simple in reality.
1: Vinny, I agree with your points a hundred percent, including the part about, I really don't have any faith in NASA. I think Deb knows that we've talked about that. I, I, don't, I don't get excited about anything. They say they have plenty of uh, information that they've not put out. Uh, and that's not an accident. So, and, and it was profiled uh, by Darcy Weir on our show, the filmmaker, occult journeys. You guys can follow him on, on Twitter. Um, he had a couple of movies come out mm. uh, and he, he documented, uh, all the interactions that, uh, astronauts and, uh, the ISS has had with, uh, a, apparently anomalous craft that they didn't know what they were.
0: Yeah, and just following on to that is the independent study group probably aren't privy to that information. It's not like it's not like we say NASA and it's the entire organisation knows about UFOs. It's it's going to be Good the point. same with the government. It's going to be compartmentalised information. This new independent study group have probably come in with the greatest of intentions. Maybe some more than others based on who we know who the the members are. Uh, they're just not. They've just not been given that knowledge. It's quite simple. They've just been said here. Go start from fresh if you were to potentially do a study, how would you do it? And it's all brand new. Forget we, about all that. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, Money Vinny. What do you think, Nathan? Have a little ring to it? yeah, I
2: think uh, I think it's perfect. right. I mean,
1: he's absolutely right.
2: and and yep. for, you know NASA's a little there's a little bit of double speak happening when when they mm-hmm. say things like we're gonna be fully transparent. We're all about science. We share everything with everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the The truth of the matter is more muddy than that, which and I'm not this is not me being conspiratorial. It's just a fact, right? We have an agency that has sensors and platforms in domains that provide them with information about the world. That we don't necessarily want everyone to know what we are doing and what we can see, what we can observe, what we have stored. So to say that they're just going to like give us a straight live feed of every kind of sensor that they've got for the benefit of science, like that's that's completely naive. It's it's just not the way that it works, right? There are absolutely liaisons within the, the NASA community and in the intelligence community. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Uh, in I'm fact, sure. like the main guy, right? The director is like already a liaison between the DOD and NASA. Like, so, you know, it's it's just even with what they've already shared with us. It's just a fact, but it has always been true.
1: Yeah. And and I think uh, uh, Grush would tell you that he's probably seen DOD uh, feeds from satellites that probably have very clear uh, imagery and, and full motion video of, of UAP, probably a number of them. Um, I have no doubt so. It's just that it's, uh, as Vinny said, uh, compartmentalized. Uh, I want to read Dave's other question here. And what we'll do with this one is we'll start with Vinny, and then we'll just go around the table. We'll go to Nathan and, and Debs with this one. It's, it's kind of long, but it's, it's basically about Grush's testimony. And it is as follows. Um, I think David Grush's testimony account verified as it is a pivotal moment in the field and tells us a number of things are real. And then he put equal sign and then there's there's a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of bulleted points here. NHI. So reacting to these points uh, that he that he brought up, that he derived as a uh, after listening to Grush's testimony, a uh, bullet point one, NHI are real. We have known this for at least 75 to 90 years. We have NHI craft. We have NHI bodies. We have legacy and other reverse engineering programs and a linked government framework. We have tried to trap them. We have attacked them. They have acted malevolently toward us. We have communicated with them. There is an arms race between major powers on reverse engineering tech. There has been a massive cover-up within the government, excluding Congress. Military allies know this and participate in cover-up. There has been a massive public disinformation campaign. Also could mean we have been too conservative in the testimony of witnesses, insiders, and much of this is true. So the question is, what do we know? What else do we think may be true? Is this not a massive change in how we approach the subject? And the caveats we make. What is the duty of UAP researchers now in terms of lines they should take and messages they give? Surely it's not business as usual. And I.E. we don't know anything. Unquote. So those are that is all. Quote from Dave. That is a lot. Uh, but I guess if we were to distill that down, you could just say, Do you agree with what? those bullet points that we got out of, of it. And then you could just talk about the responsibility of, of, uh, broadcasters and researchers or, or folks like us.
0: Yeah. Um, It's it's a a lot. I see where he's coming from. I see where the question's going. And I think it boils down for me personally to let Grush has made some big claims and we only need uh, one of them, maybe two of them to be proven to us, the public, disclosure to happen if he can prove that yes we have craft that we've had in legacy programs reverse engineered for years and there's bodies involved there you go that's disclosure now the problem is we don't have that proof grush has we know that he's spoken to over 40 witnesses some working in the program he's provided this proof to congress to the inspector general that's all great now we need some kind of movement where it starts coming out to us publicly or we need to see more whistleblowers coming forward so I think it is business as usual for, for me personally as a researcher. I'm just going to keep going as I have been and maybe working a little bit harder and trying to hone in on more things that relate to those sort of uh, claims that he's made. So looking back in historical documents where it it could be that it's related to legacy programs or, or or crashes and things, that could be a good a good area to focus on. But it's certainly not going to make me turn around and go, look, it's true now because grush said this i'm not going to go that far yet because i I, I can't i can't do that right. i think it's disingenuous to say that yeah as exciting as it is and it's what we've been wanting for so long is for somebody from the inside to come out and say all these things but it's not enough for me personally so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going as i am it is business as usual for me so i might not be what smethers wanted to hear so, sorry dave but that's just no. the way it is
1: No, that's, it's not, he's not wanting to hear, he wants to hear your opinion and you Mm. gave your opinion. Yeah, That's great. That's what we want. Um, so Bob talk, can you talk about, uh, the SCIF next meetings? Um, and we're going to go to you, Nathan next with this. I just want to say, um, yeah, I'd asked Richard, but he told me that some of these folks could get conditional read ons. Uh, he, he talked about and, and get in there. Um, he knows more about, uh the clearance process than, than I do. Um, he has access <laughs> to the DISS system. So I, I'll yeah. take his word for it. So um, I think the that's question interesting will be... as well.
0: Sorry, DJ, just to but in there. If this is the Pentagon Inspector General that is holding this classified briefing with the House Oversight Committee on October 25th. Mm-hmm. So we know that Grush went to the Pentagon IG first, like a few years ago. I don't know what information he gave them that is any different to what he gave to the ICIG because he'd done a lot more work in that time so that that's where i start thinking does the pentagon ig have the same information as the icig and congress so i don't know and i don't know who from the house oversight committee is going to be there i think this is still what we wanted this is where the the evidence is getting shown to people but to what level to what degree i guess we'll find out from people like luna and and that
1: lunar yeah Is that l-u-n-a-r i'm just kidding just so uh (laughs) so the thing is is that um i was i think we were all told that he did make a um a submission to the the um d o d i g before the i c i g however um if those people read into that information, the only negative part about that um bob is that now that if they're privy to that classified, they can't just come out and open source and tell us about it because then they would be subject to uh, the same confinement, fines, and everything else that Grush would be if he divulged that information, or any of us who have a clearance. You would, you would, you'd be under that same thing. Uh, as far as Simon Fly, I want to say that um, okay, Grush isn't a whistleblower uh, in the true sense. Uh, actually, um, he is. And you're, what you said, it's not his uh, responsibility to provide uh, proof. Um, that's not something that he can legally do. He is telling Congress so that Congress can go in, uh, get inside those programs and reveal it in a legal way. It's not up to him to go to jail and uh, to reveal that information publicly which is what would happen if he or lou elizondo or any of these folks would just say hey i'm going to come out and tell you the next thing would happen is they would be uh, contacted by the justice department and um, that's not their responsibility so you just have to understand how the chain of events goes
0: Uh, and i think when it comes to the semantics of is he a whistleblower or not is one thing we do know is that he followed the whistleblower process as laid out in the NDA right. for 2023, so call him a whistleblower, call him whatever you want. He's following a whistleblower process, and and and, and that still process is still going on. So for him to just suddenly dump it, that information out publicly, I mean, he's never going to do that. that. That makes he's no going to go to jail. Yeah, exactly. Who here so, would go to jail to give this information? No. That's what people need to understand.
1: And if You think that he's not a whistleblower, then you have to understand what the definition of whistleblower is because he followed that act to the letter. And that's why he's not in jail right now. And he's able to do podcasts with Jesse Michaels, Uh, Nathan. So about what um, uh, Dave Smethers question, did you did you get all of those things out of it? Uh, You know, what was your your takeaway from that? And then, you know, in terms of responsibility.
2: Yeah, first of all, I think we to have to rate limit Dave Smethers on the uh, on the word count. <laughs> Dave, uh, word, yeah. As much We're as I love edit. Dave Smethers, uh, buddy, we gotta gotta make it a little more brief. But no, I mean th- those are the takeaways. I think he summed it up very well in terms of the claims that have been made. I, you know, I I, I agree with Simon, although I often don't. But I agree with Simon. In uh, his perspective here, that we do need evidence. I mean, that's mm. echoing what what Vinny said. We need the hard proof, and
1: we do. And, but it's not it's not Grush's responsibility. And I, I'm, not even, I'm not even I'm not
2: making a comment point. on that. That's not that's yeah. not that's not related to this. It's just we do need evidence. We need we need yeah. actually hard evidence and proof uh, of the claims that he's made. And I agree, that's not his responsibility. Uh, he's he's passing that on to the people who can get that. Yes. Uh, related to the skiff piece of it, uh, you know, we're going to, I just hate to break it to folks, we're going to be continually frustrated by this process because it, and this is because of the high degree of compartmentalization and, and uh, classification. This is something that Congress has bemoaned now for the last several years. Uh, you know, think even back to 9 the high degree of classification and compartmentalization within the intelligence community prevents us sometimes from being able to share information with, you know, interagency even intra-agency sometimes, and that prevents us from actually taking action that needs to be taken. And, and that's why many have said, we, we've got an over-classification problem, right? I want to set that sort of table really quickly here before we go into the SCIF conversation, because once they get into the SCIF, it's not like the DOD IG or the ICIG. You're just going to be like, well, here's everything David Grush told me. Well, they can't do that. And they can't do that because these Congress people don't have the necessary read-ons to, to even see some of those pieces of information. They can get a high-level summary. They can get, uh, I mean, just just think back to the recent letter the ICIG wrote. Like, it was very just like, you know, like, I don't, there's no, he left out, there's no investigation happening, whatever. Like, he, everything is very, again, compartmentalized, classified. And I think we're going to see, you know, some more dad gummets from Tim Burchett, you know, he's got, they're, <laughs> they're hiding the truth from us, dad gummit, you know, he's going to be doing more of that because that's the, that's just the way this works, right. Until we can get the right people with the right clearances together. And even then, like you said, DJ, that doesn't mean we're going to hear about it. Like more hmm. people are going to hear about it. And and this is something that I've talked about on, on liminal frames. You know, Darren, I've talked about this, that. It, who's going and Danny Sheehan talked about this too. I know Vinny, you talked to him recently, but you know, there are people who are going to get more information, right? That, that, and people are getting more information. That, that is just a fact. More people now have information than have ever had it before. Rubio. But, yeah, but all of these people who have this information have a responsibility. We, we elected them and gave them this responsibility. We, we said, we need you to be a, a, an adult in a way for like all of us, Because we don't have the time. I got to go to work. I got to pay the bills. I got to take the kids to school. I need you to worry about that stuff because I don't got the bandwidth for it. And I need you to make responsible decisions on the information that you're given, knowing that you have the lives of many millions of people, some would say billions of people at, at stake here. So You know, they're going to be getting this information, have to decide what the heck to do with it. You know, I mean, is it the right thing to release all of this? They're going to be weighing that, I think, very carefully. And I'm not even talking about aliens. I'm just talking about, like, what are some national security secrets that they, you know, may or may not want to share with the world? You know, you tell your friends, you tell your enemy, right? They have to take that very seriously. And I'm sorry. I hate it. I hate it. I get the frustration, you know, I get that, you know, they should tell everybody I'm a human. I have a right to know this stuff. Yeah, bro. I get it, man. I get it. We all want that. But I live in reality and the reality I live in says that there are millions of people who occupy this space with me and they have responsibilities and they have, you know, things that they have to do. We all have to be safe together in a society. And if I'm looking at, you know, revelations of information that could cause an adversary, to do something nefarious to us, put us at risk, or if I'm looking at an information that could cause like a tectonic shift in the way we look at our reality, man, I'm going to be pretty careful about that. I'm going to be super careful about how I say it and reveal it to a wider audience. And that's just, I mean, look, that's just a fact. Um, Now I'll say the one last thing before I pass it off to Deb, I do want to get her thoughts on this. We, we cannot, um, we cannot exclude what other actors are going to do. And and here's, you know, here's basically what we have, you know, we we have, um, think about it like prospecting, you know, I don't know if you've ever like done that, that kind of gem mining where you go get a bucket of sand or whatever, you dump it onto a sieve and you just shake it. And you, sometimes you find some, some cool rocks in there. The rocks are in the sand, right? They're not coming out of the sand on their own. Okay. So you can either sift them out through these like nicely constructed, things that you hold and, the, and you sift out the sand and you've got the rocks, right? You find them. This, the, the, in this case, these sifts, the, these sieves are these like formal processes that we've instituted around I- information. We apply the process, do a little thing, and sometimes little things come out of it and go, oh, look at that. It's beautiful. But you can't exclude the one guy with a pickaxe out there who's just swinging wildly at this chunk of rock. And all of a sudden he strikes freaking gold and he's like, hey guys, I found this giant piece of gold. And then what happens? Like you got a, a mad rush of people coming in trying to find out more. All kind. So you can't exclude the, the wild prospector, you know, who's just out there swinging and may reveal something to us that is outside the normal chain of information flow. And, and look, we've had that. We've had many of those instances over the history. Vinny could tell you, I'm sure, of many examples over the decades of people who have provided leaked information. We don't have corroborating proof of it, but there's been a lot of these instances. So I think we're going to continue to see instances like that, and we're going to continue to be frustrated until we have a formal mechanism of making some of this more clear in a public facing, objectively like verified way. Otherwise, people are always going to be like, I need the proof. There's not, it, not, it doesn't satisfy my standard of proof. I need to put my hand on the craft and okay. I need to <laughs> shake the hand of the being. Like Until I can do that, I don't believe you.
1: I want to say that is the most comprehensive framing of this entire thing Nathan so let me just Sorry I don't know what that was in my was... drink this
2: morning guys but I just I, it's
1: it's early and I'm just kind of going crazy so sorry about that. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. That was sober and mature way to lay this out. You talked about the the clearances, you talked about how uh, how even if they get read in, we're still not going to get that because then they're going to be they're going to have to sign an NDA not to disclose that. That's going to be part of their their read on is going to be signing that before they even get in the skiff to hear the information. So it's it's very frustrating and it's not uh, doesn't make us feel good, but that's it's the way it is um, for a number of reasons. I mean, just look at Jack Jack Teixeira divulging uh, information on Discord and um, Twitch uh, and other uh, 4, 4chan and so forth, where he was telling about what the capabilities and, and uh, ammunition levels of the uh, Ukrainians, uh, that, w- that was very nice for the Russians to, to find that out. So, yeah, so that that's what it's all about. Um, Debs, please uh, give us your perspective on the testimony, uh, responsibility, and, and even if you want to react to uh, what Nathan just said.
3: I have so much to say. Yes, <laughs> okay. ma'am. Please, First of, of all, Lukatsky just put in a book that we have found a UFO and gone inside of it. And he also emphasized that that was about all he could say because of national security, even to the point where he would not speak to a Congress person unless it was perhaps subpoena.
1: Subpoenaed. So,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, so... um Yes, that's been touched on. It's been revealed. It's not just Grush coming out and talking about it. In fact, I think my responsibility is to remind people that historically, many people have come out and spoken about it. And people keep forgetting that. They like to put um, a spotlight on the most recent person. But it has been said over And over and over. And I actually did some research and we certainly have a foreign materials exploitation program that would certainly be connected to our allies. Um, We obviously are interested in catching whatever we can about technology from other countries. Um, And that's included in our NDAA for the UAPs as well. Um, This is not new everyone the pieces all fit together um this the disclosure has happened in that sense what's missing okay. is people want to know about the why and the who and those are the two pieces that people really legitimately still want to know so um i also want to point out the person with the pickaxe may not be from the united states Other countries are very serious about this. Mexico is getting more and more serious about it. Um, They're having another hearing, um, especially because I think some people in Mexico were not pleased about some of the antics that happened last time. But they're Mm -hmm. still very serious about this topic. Brazil has had some serious incidents of UAPs, and they continue to be involved. And Japan is stepping up. So that pickaxe may not be in the hands of the United States for much longer.
2: Mm. Yeah, well said. Oh, one more thing I want to add to that: we could have an earthquake, right? Uh, reality itself could shift, and these these you know secrets could be revealed. And in here, I'm talking about if there is in fact an intelligence at work, maybe they're part of that you know process. You know, what what if they do something? So,
1: yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's very complex, but I think we're having great discussions we're tackling it from all angles um and getting a a lot of different perspectives on it and i think that's kind of what we set out to do uh if if simon is still there forgive me it didn't i did not want it to seem like i was i was attacking to you i was trying to frame it uh frame it up but nathan did a much better job of of doing that simon fly than than i did it it, it's just um i think uh a lot of people just don't understand the process and what happened and how it happened and who's responsible for what. And I, I need to be sensitive to that. Um, I understand what happened. Um, but not everybody does. And, um, that's what we're here to do is to share that information with you to the extent that we know it, or we'll just say, Hey, we don't know it, but you know, maybe it could be this and throw some ideas out there and, and, and do it in a positive way. So, uh, I think we've come to a close, uh, but let's, let's get, uh, what is my face? Let's get, this is what people want to see right here. They want to see Vincenzo. So <laughs> Vincenzo um, let's get some uh, final thoughts from you before we go to cabby goodbyes. And then at the end of those thoughts, if you could also talk about where everybody can find you and talk about today's show that we're going to be tuning into in, you know, three and a half or four hours, whatever we're at now
0: uh yeah i mean i mean i guess all i really have to say is that like i said earlier i'm just going to continue doing what i'm what i've been doing um and you know everyone around us i see it in the community i see the frustrations i see it on both sides and i don't get involved when the you know the line is crossed and it becomes personal i i respect differences of opinion like that um and so i'm yeah i'm just going to keep talking to people i'm going to still keep going to events uh, and spreading this conversation and i just want to be involved in it as much as i can to to push things forward in a positive way you know i'm doing a conference in a couple of weeks in paris where we're trying to get the conversation to become acceptable here in europe and the uk and so that that's i think that's a really positive thing you know i'm taught i'm in I'm working with a group that's sort of starting off a charity here in the UK to help people have the conversation, whether they are witnesses, experiences, or just people curious about the subject. I think it's all about reducing the stigma as well as kind of trying to actually get to the the, the, the truth of the entire subject. So yeah, that's kind of how I see things going forward for me. And obviously we keep our eye on the progress being made within the, the subject when it comes to the government and things like that. It, it's, it's yeah, so many things to sort of focus on for me and I'm going to keep going with all of them. That's kind of what I meant with the Vinny
1: before and the Vinny after is now this is like your life's work.
0: I guess it keeps me busy.
1: (laughs) It wasn't before, right?
0: Yeah, I guess so. You know, there's not enough hours in the day to do, you know, everything I'd like to do, but I guess I'm in a privileged position where I'm able to not just be sat in front of my computer anymore, just wading through documents. I'm able to sort of get out there and do different things. And, you know, I don't take that for granted and I, I, I work for it. I make sure I put in the work to justify being allowed to have these amazing experiences.
1: Oh yeah. Going back to Colombia again for another, another season, right?
0: I mean, we're in talks. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of uh, things to work out. So whether it's next year or the year after, it's still, I've got so many things going on. I, I can't say for certain at this point. That's awesome,
1: man. Uh, where can everybody find your work?
0: I mean, it's, people know it's pretty much Disclosure Team on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There are different iterations with underscores, but you find me on one, you can find me on them all. And please just, yeah, come and come and join in the conversation. And later on, man, come kill her, baby, and George Knapp. Yeah, can't hey,
1: wait. man. It's gonna be really good. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and that's not live; that is pre-recorded. I will be premiering that tomorrow on my YouTube channel. So,
1: oh, okay, pre. Oh, man. So we're not going to see it today.
0: Not today, no. I mean, it, you know, you guys have got part two of the George Knapp News Nation thing to look forward to later tonight, today. Uh, you know, my thing will come tomorrow. So.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I love G money nap. Okay. Um, all right, let's go with uh, Cabby cabbie. Goodbye. Starting with Debs.
3: Thank you for being one of the muses, Benny. Um, <laughs> I think we all need to just keep those conversations going, normalize it. It's part of a lot of people's lives, you know, and, um, for us to have hidden this aspect of humanity is tragic. So let's keep going. Thank you Thank for coming.
0: You. My pleasure. Thank you, Deb.
2: Vinny.
3: Money.
2: Vinny's a great guy. Uh, I had the, the good fortune. I've met Vinny in person a few times. Uh, he likes his food spicy. Just know that. He likes the spice. <laughs> um, he's a great guy. And uh, Vinny, I really do appreciate what you do. I appreciate your approach to this topic. Um, I appreciate your willingness to come and talk with us and have this conversation. Uh, I think it's important that we have people who can can weigh all the options and and be a little bit distanced from conclusions because we we, we need to be careful about how we progress the the conversation and first the information. And you just do such a great job of that. Your interviews are fantastic. And that's why you keep getting great guests because mm-hmm. you're providing a place where that conversation can take place in in a productive way. So I thank you for that. Um, look, uh, we've got a lot of work left to do, I think. And uh, I look forward to what you're going to be doing because, you know, we're, we're here just cheering you on, trying to follow your lead. So thank, mm-hmm. thank you. Thanks for everything.
0: No, I much appreciate it, man. Thank you for the kind words.
1: Nathan, would you say he's doing a phenomenal job? <laughs>
2: I, I would say I would,
0: absolutely 100 <laughs> percent
1: So, and you are Vinny. I, I echo everything that Nathan said. You know, the proof is in the pudding. So many people uh want to come and speak with you and, and open themselves up to you. Uh and that's there's a reason, and it's because you make uh your your very accessible um you tend not to piss people off like I do. Um, and <laughs> you're just a great host, man. And and it's it's just a testament to the way you do your business. I, I admire how you do it, and I'm glad that uh, we've become friends. Uh, uh, let's see. I've got to meet you twice. Nathan has. Now it's Deb's turn.
0: No, so I met Deb
3: in Roswell. She, she
1: did. Yes. Oh, you, oh that's, I
3: forgot. Roswell. I forgot all I you guys were
1: in Roswell. He's like okay. two
3: stories taller than me. Is the, <laughs> <laughs> the thing, and it stood out to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, as Robert Plant would say, he's a tall, cool one. Um, going back <laughs> to that work after Led Zeppelin, um, Vinny, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Uh, it thank was an you. honor and a pleasure to be your friend. I'm glad that we get to have uh, conversations uh, offline, and that uh, we've developed uh, friendship on multiple levels. So. Um, cab thanks you and on behalf of uh, deb's and uh, and vincenzo and nathan this is dj saying peace out one love we'll see you down the road and we're always wondering what's up around the bend